If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. I'm not going to be 45 minutes long, so don't sweat. I promise. Maybe 46, but not 45. There's a lot of stories that are going to be told of what's taking place here, and they're all God's stories. I was out yesterday looking for a big rock that we'd be able to put on that monument to remember what God has done because we always need to remember. And then one day, we will have an opportunity to bless somebody else. You ever thought about that? See, it's good to be on this side, but down the line, God may ask us to bless somebody. I've been able to bless a lot of people this week because somebody would call me and say, listen, I got a resource I'd like to be able to give. Do you know somebody that might be a, a needed recipient? And so sometimes at this time of the year, I get to be Santa Claus, and I'm the one that gets to, to watch the tears as God blesses somebody, and it's just a privilege. Uh, but there's a lot of crowns that's going around in heaven when some of our people pass away because they have stored up some definite eternal, uh, eternal treasures. Um, Luke chapter 2, um, and let me just say this. Have you ever known a story to become embellished over time? You ever told a story, then to hear the story a little bit later and it got a little bit embellished as it went along? Come on now, tell me. We love to tell stories. And uh, in the telling of stories, it's really easy for things to, to, get, to get blown out of proportion. Well, there was this guy by the name of, of Luke that in the, in the writing, in the, in the putting down of the story, he wanted to make sure that he gave an accurate account of, of the things that took place surrounding Jesus' birth. Um, and he started out by saying something like this. Um, it came to pass in those days. You ever heard that? Well, this is, is really what he was saying in our terms today. Listen, man, I don't know what somebody else has told you, but let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you what really took place. Let me give you the real story. Um, and so here's Luke who tells us up front that he's done everything he can to try to investigate the story that he's about to share with us. He's gone back and he's interviewed eyewitnesses and he's done everything to put together an accurate account and that we can trust the story that he's getting ready to share with us. Now the funniest of all things is the fact that he starts out by giving us a historical figure to begin the story historical figure, a man by the name of Caesar Augustus. Anybody ever heard about Caesar Augustus? Well, there's a, a big story behind Caesar Augustus um, because he wasn't always known as Caesar Augustus. As a matter of fact, he was known as a man by the name of Gaius Octavius, um, who happened to be the um, son of Julius Caesar's niece. Julius Caesar had become very attached to Gaius Octavius. He he saw in him something that he, he really um, that he really liked. He was a strong warrior. Uh, he was a valiant. He was very brave, um, very courageous. And Julius Caesar was so much impressed by Gaius Octavius that he made some some decisions early on uh, as he watched Gaius that would really um, change his life later on down the line. And at around 44 B.C., there was an event that took place where some Roman uh, some some Senate members of Rome got together and they, they assassinated Julius Caesar. I don't know if you guys have ever known anything about that history, but they assassinated Julius Caesar. Um, Gaius wasn't there in Rome when this event took place. But when the word got to him, he traveled back to the area. And on his way back to the area, he found out just what Julius Caesar had done. 
because in fact what he had done is adopted him as his own son and left to him his titles and positions in his will that all of a sudden upon his death he would be elevated Octavius was about 19 years old when that took place when he got back um, his name was changed to Octavius Caesar and some say, historians say, that he partnered with Mark Anthony and they went out to avenge those that had, that had murdered Julius Caesar. Uh, in about 42 B.C., the Senate deified Julius Caesar. In other words, they, they made him like a god. They put him up in a high position to worship him, to say that he was more than just a man. Um, they would idolize him. They would worship him as a god. They would treat him as a god. And guess what happened? Here you have this Gaius Octavius, who is now uh, Octavius Caesar, that was now the son of the deified Julius Caesar, or the divine Caesar, or, or Caesar the divine, which now made Octavius, if in our words, the son of God. Are you with me? It's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. So you got Octavius that becomes Rome's first emperor. He received the name Augustus, which meant sacred. So not only now did he have this title, but he also was a religious icon. But he would become sick a little bit later on and realize that even though there was a supposed connection between him and God, that he was still nothing but a man. So here he decides to adopt Tiberius. Tiberius was uh, a son from his wife's uh, previous marriage. Tiberius would eventually become Rome's second emperor, and he would be known as Tiberius Caesar Augustus. And Tiberius Caesar Augustus is the one that would put Pontius Pilate in place as a governor there over Syria. Uh, Tiberius Caesar Augustus was the one that when you hear the scriptures talk about uh, when they were on trial, when Jesus was on trial, and they, and they cried out, we have no other God but Caesar. That's, this is who they were talking about. Tiberius, Caesar, Augustus. Sorry, are you with me? Caesar, Augustus. Tiberius, Caesar, Augustus. I just thought it would be interesting to sort of maybe throw that out to you. As we started to read here in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Because Luke thought that Caesar, Augustus's account was really important enough to put him here in the midst of the story of Jesus's birth. And listen to what it says in Luke chapter 1. And our time today is very short. This is what it says. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken since Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, they came for her baby to be born. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him in snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them there. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Do not be afraid. He said, For I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. 
and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those to whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried off to the village, and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone. Just want to pause there for a second. I was with somebody this week, and, uh, and this has happened. There were two things I asked you to do last week. I asked you to bridge the gap and tell the story. I was with a, a man this past week, and, and, and I don't believe him to be a believer. And as he, he walked through the facilities with me uh, there in Fruitland Park, he said uh, to me, why would somebody do something like this? Why would a group of people do something like this? It just doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. And he said, do you know that this? And I go, I know. It's got a new roof. He said, do you know that? And I go, I know. It's got fresh paint. And he said, do you know? And I go, I know. It's 11 acres. And do you know? I know. And tears began to roll down his eyes. And he said, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Why would anybody do anything like this? And I said, God. You know what he did when he left there that day? He told somebody. He told somebody. Because see, when God does something, we tell. See, when God does something in your life, you tell. When God does something in the, in the life of an unsaved non-believer, guess what they do? They tell. You know why? Because every one of us are looking for hope. Every one of us here are looking for a story that we can believe in. And the story that Luke writes down is a story not only of hope, it's a story of truth. Because they had waited for X amount of years for the Messiah to come, and all of a sudden, the time was now. It was the right appointed time, and He was here. And after seeing Him, the shepherds went out and they told everyone what had happened. And the angel said to them about this child, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. You can be sitting in a restaurant now in a certain place, and a guy called me and said, man, you ain't going to believe this. There's a guy in front of me, and there's a guy behind me in the tables, and both stories are about what's going on in Fruitland Park. <laughs> but Mary kept these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. And 2,000 years later, we still tell the same story. The same story that Luke penned. 
And as we come upon this time of year, um, we mention Caesar Augustus' name. And we mention his name often. But we don't mention it because of the titles that he held. We don't mention it because of the position or his possessions. But we mention his name because that's the guy that decided at that time to call for there to be a census to take place. And you, Luke himself would use this as a historical fact as he began to pin and write down the, the, uh, the events and the activities that surrounded the birth of Jesus himself. You know, it's amazing, too, that all over the world that people will mention Caesar's name. All around the world at this time of the year, we talk about the birth of a baby in all cultures and all nations and all languages in different socioeconomic groups. Some of us celebrate publicly, some of us celebrate privately, and in some countries and some places, some people celebrate in secret because of fear. But the reality is we celebrate the story that Luke told because it was the birth of the Messiah, the Savior, who had come to save us. It wasn't a Savior that promised to keep us from sin, but it was a Savior who came who promised to forgive us of our sin. That in regardless of the, the past or mistakes or foolish things that we had done, in spite of our sinful um, uh, activities, that we could have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That we didn't have to be clean before turning to Him. Watch this little video clip as we finish up. Mr. 
Jesus didn't come down here to get messy. That wasn't very good theology, was it? funny. I mean, Jesus said, you know, let the little children come to me, right? I mean, apparently he was okay with getting messy. We're the ones that dress him up and you know, he, he always came with the attention to get his hands dirty. I guess I deserve the And in the time of year that we do everything we can to try to negotiate with God, that we try to hide the brokenness and the pain that exists, Jesus came. Jesus came. And it wasn't, it wasn't that he was available to you after you got cleaned up. But he was available because he knew that you couldn't get cleaned up. You know, the call is for us to be honest and to recognize that. And in the midst of that honesty, to be able to experience the hope that only Jesus can bring. We try to decorate Jesus up. We try to enter into a worship facility on Sunday mornings and we dress it up and we, we decorate it up and we sing songs and we say that we do it on behalf of Jesus, yet we leave out the people that need Jesus the most. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? No longer do we negotiate our sin. No longer do we have to hide the brokenness and the pain. But we have the ability to turn to God and accept a free gift of salvation that his birth brings. Isaiah 9.6 says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. Peace that in the midst of the chaos that all of us experience from time to time that we could experience peace, not because of a calming of the circumstances but holding hands with the Savior. If you don't have that peace today, what is it that keeps you from experiencing it? The only thing as it is is coming to a place that you recognize that you can't clean yourself up. 
that God realized that and he did something that only he could do and that's why he sent his son Jesus to be born of flesh to walk among us who would eventually die for our sins. Luke 19.10 says something like this that Jesus came to save those, those of us that were sticky. That's just my translation. See, because if you're healthy, you don't need a doctor. But if you're sick like me, you need him. Would you bow with me today? Father, in this time, I'm so reminded as we have been talking about undeniable hope. Lord, that the story that Luke penned 2,000 years ago that's been very consistent has been that God in flesh come to dwell among us. That he come to walk and he was born in a manger. But he came as a king. A king. A king who would eventually die for each and every one of us. His presence wasn't to set up an earthly kingship, but an eternal one. For those of us that are here today, I'm just reminded of the hope that that birth brings. There are some here that have experienced that hope. They've come to realize and, and hold on to the truth that Jesus came for us. That Christmas is real. Some here today have trusted in that and have believed and have confessed their sins and have placed their faith in Christ. There are others that are here that just believe that their life is just too sticky. I mean, how could a an all-perfect God love me until I got cleaned up. And what we've learned today is that Jesus came for the sticky because he knew that we couldn't do anything. And it wasn't about cleaning ourselves up, but it was about accepting a free gift that only God himself could give, the gift of salvation through trusting and believing. And so if there are those here today that just would say, I... I'm just going to be honest today. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I'm suffering. And I, life is sticky. But I've never trusted Jesus. But today, I want to trust him. For that person that's here today, I, I'm not going to tell you that our salvation comes as a result of a prayer. But I'll tell you this, that it begins with an acknowledgement of our sin. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, right where you are, you have the ability just to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. My life is sticky. And I believe that not only were you born, but you died. And you died for my sin. And today, I just want to receive. I want to trust you. And I want to believe. Help me. And if you pray that prayer today, I want to tell you it's the most important decision you'll ever make in life. It's the beginning of a journey, a journey of learning to trust and live as Christ would have us to live. During this song that we're going to be singing, that Brian's going to play, um, I want to ask if our overseers maybe would just go stand in the back. Sheila, if you would go. And, and, uh, and if you're here today, and, and today you say, I, I want to make a decision. My life is sticky, but today I realize that Jesus paid a price for me. I want to follow him. Just out of an act of obedience and 
a confirmation of Christ at work in your life today, would you just go back to one of them? They'll be standing across the back walls in the back. Just go to them and say, today I want to follow Jesus. If you're here today and, and you're saying, man, I'm a, I'm a believer, but man, my life just has got a lot of mess in it. I just need to, I need to, just, I need you to pray with me. If that's you today, go to one of these that are in the back, one of our leaders, and just say, would you pray with me? Father, what a great day it is that we can celebrate the fact that Christmas is real and the birth of the Savior did happen. And it's because of that in your love that we celebrate. Father, in this time of singing, this time of invitation, Lord, would you be in this place as we prepare? What a great day it is. Let Brian sing to us as you just remain seated there with your heads bowed. And if you need to respond, there'll be some overseers in the back, some leaders that you can pray with. Father, thank you for this day.